You're listening to the AISTS Master of Sports Administration podcast, created by Dr. Boris Gojanovic as part of the program Sports Medicine Module. In this series, we attempt to discover, understand, and debate the important issues in the world of sports medicine. Hello, everyone. This is the AISTS Sport Medicine podcast. In front of the microphone is me, David Jang, and two of my colleagues, Rajiv Shalda and Dennis Kulik. Today, our topic is the workload and injury in professional football and the connection between them. It is actually a really hot topic in the light of current situation of COVID-19. Top European leagues are getting back after the abrupt stop due to the pandemic, and the rest of the season will be played on a really tight schedule. As an example for you, in Spain, team will play every third or fourth day after the next five weeks. And many have asked the question, at such pace, isn't it dangerous for the health of footballers? So welcome, Riju and Dennis. And what do you have to say on this topic? Actually, gentlemen, the problem of fixture congestion is well known in football even before the pandemic. Fifth Pro last year released a report named At The Limit, which showcases how competition calendars and travel requirements clash with the best scientific practices, leaving some elite players on the limit of their mental and physical capacity. True, Rajo. That's why the role of workload management is so important, as it helps reduce the risk of injury and optimize performance by detecting excessive fatigue and identifying its causes. I think, though, injury causes in football are multifactorial and involves extrinsic and intrinsic risk factors. My question would be, wouldn't you agree that inappropriate load management is a major risk factor for injury? Well, David, at a professional level, inappropriate loading can increase injury risk by impairing factors such as decision-making ability, coordination, and neuromuscular control. The fatigue that arises from training and competition alters kinetics, kinematics, and neural feedbacks. It also reduces joint stability and thus contributes to increased risk of acute and overuse injuries. For example, a study by Scott McLean revealed that in professional football, central fatigue contributes directly to the ACL injuries. Indeed, uh, as I know, 17 of 28 knee injuries suffered by Premier League players in the season 2016-17 were actually ACL injuries. Thanks for the numbers, Dennis. But gentlemen, on the other hand, what about the protective effect of training? As I know so far, exposure to loads would allow the body to tolerate load and training to allow physical quality that could be associated with the reduced risk of injury. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, Tim Gabbett called it a training injury prevention paradox, a phenomenon whereby athletes accustomed to high training loads have fewer injuries than athletes training at lower workloads. The model is based on evidence that um, non-contact injuries are not caused by training per se, but more likely by an uh, inappropriate training program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to add to that, excessive and rapid increases in training loads are responsible for a large proportion of non-contact soft tissue injuries. The risk of injury increases when high loads are applied to an athlete who is physically or psychologically unfit, or when an athlete is fit but is in need of rest. In both the cases, workload exceeds the capacity of the athlete, leading to excessive fatigue and increased risk of injury. I would like to add to what uh, Rajul just said, that a number of psychological variables may influence injury risk as well. These include uh, psychological stressors, such as negative life events, daily hassles, and even sports-related stress. I think a main question that a lot of people would have is how to determine an ideal workload for athletes. See, David, that's a tricky term. The optimal workload, it's a moving target. According to John Archer, low training load would undermine a team's performance and fitness, 
while excessive training load would highly increase the risk of injuries and eventually end up harming the team's performance. So an optimal workload would differ for every athlete and it keeps on changing constantly based on multiple factors, to name a few, phase of the season, training status, fitness and fatigue levels, sleep quality. And analyzing external and internal loads is essential for finding this optimal workload. External loads are external stimulus applied to athletes, such as sprints or weight lifted, while internal load is physiological and psychological response to external loads, such as heart rate and blood lactate concentration. Monitoring external load is key to understanding the work completed, the capabilities and capacity of the athletes, while the constant monitoring of internal load can help identify recovery needs, anticipate health issues, and also help adjust training and competition programs. And just to mention out there that there are some really important workload metrics, like chronic load, acute load, freshness index, but it's a topic for a separate podcast. So to summarize everything we've discussed so far, what are recommendations would you have for prescribing training and competition load? Well, David, experts suggest that football teams should contemplate squad rotations to protect players from large increases in match loads, which may put them at higher risk of injury. As illustrated by a 14-year prospective study made by professors at uh, Linkoping University, muscle injury rate in professional football is higher in matches played within five days since the previous match, compared to one match per week. To add to that, Dennis, educate recovery sessions should be incorporated after intensive training periods, competitions, and travel. Furthermore, care should be given to nutrition, hydration, sleep, rest, relaxation strategies, and emotional support. You know, in and off-season breaks are also a very important factor. Ideally, medical evidence states that a minimum of four to six weeks of complete rest should be observed in an off-season and two weeks in the mid-season. After listening to what you guys have suggested, I see there's no one-size-fits-all principle. Load should be prescribed or recommended on an individual and flexible basis. Absolutely. Yes, I would agree to that. Great. Thank you, Raju and Dennis, for an interesting conversation. Thank you all for listening. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. If you've got questions or comments, share them directly on this track on the AISTS MSA SoundCloud page or visit us at www.aists.org.